I have been uh, praying about this sermon tonight, and uh, you know, I know we prepare in different ways, and it seems like there's different seasons in a church and, and, and maybe in our country's life, and I keep hearing about radical people. Do you hear that? And radical, that idea, radicalness, you know, people who are kind of over the top about something, you hear about that a lot. And um, I'm sure you, like me, you've noticed that the Middle East is on fire and, you know, you hear about radical, people who are radical about their religion. And it seems as if there's there's something scary about people who are radical. Have you noticed that? Some people can be really frightening if they take their belief systems too far. You notice that? Anybody else notice that with me? Let me show you some pictures, see what you think about that. Rules for Radicals, kind of a famous book, getting more and more famous, coming from uh, kind of from the left. And then I I mentioned Islam a little bit with the Middle East on fire. This is actually, when I typed in radical Islam, this man's picture came up. I'm not even sure who it is, but this is whose picture came up. And um, we hear about that. It's radical. And radical Hindu might look like this. Because he takes his religion very seriously and fasts until there's not a whole lot left of him. And I'm sure this person may be familiar to some, a very radical Buddhist. And you may be familiar with the radical environmental movement. Years ago, I remember I was a youth pastor and there was, they were trying to pull out some trees that were too big at this one high school. They were, one had already fallen into a building, so they were trying to pull them out and replant them. And all these kids chained themselves to the trees. And anyway, radical. Uh, Meat is murder. Then I thought I was thinking about what a radical scrapbooker would look like. (laughs) Here's the thing. What, What a lukewarm Christian might consider a radical Christian, I propose to you is actually a Christian who's living the way Christ intended. Now, we in Christianity, we've had radicals that maybe took things too far, and we have names for those. But when I'm talking about radical Christianity, let me, let me ask you this. Do you think that radical Christians are morally equivalent somehow to all the other radicals I showed you pictures of? I hope you don't. Because if you do, you've bought into a lie that diminishes really who we are as Christians and it's really unfair to everybody else, too, because you cannot lump all those things together. Not, not really honestly and fairly. They don't fit together. You can't really even say they're opposites, either. They're totally, totally different things. And my prayer is that by the end of this evening, you will see what I'm talking about when I talk about what a radical Christian is. And like I said before, what some people, with uh, lukewarm Christians, might consider a radical Christian really is just an average Christian, the one that Jesus expected us all to be. Now, Christianity, as I mentioned, we've had our radicals, you might call them. There's certain periods in Christianity where you have people we, we might call ascetics. They might, they might deny themselves certain things. You know, it might be somebody who would sleep on a rock as if God was impressed by that. Like Pastor mentioned, he's not that impressed by a 24-hour prayer. I don't really think he's impressed if we sleep on a rock either. You might have heard of the concept of legalism where people follow every single rule to the letter. I don't think God's that impressed with that either. And, you know, monks are wonderful things, but when you separate yourself from society, that wasn't quite, quite Christ's idea of the radical Christian. That wasn't what he had in mind, was for, for us to separate ourselves out and not be mixed in with everybody. He, he talked about salt. What good is salt if it's not out there in the world having an effect? I propose to you this. 
that the radical Christian is the one who actually looks and acts like Jesus Christ, Jesus himself. And if we were to do that, if we were to actually live like Jesus Christ, then the world would look at us and say we were radical, but not in that scary, weird way that they thought you might blow them up or attack them for something. But they would look at you and think that you are radical and it's an amazing thing. Do you realize that Christianity changed the entire Roman Western civilization in the period of just a couple hundred years without one uprising, without one war? There weren't Christians, they weren't fighting the government to do that. But they literally changed the world because they lived as radicals. But not the kind of radicals you might be thinking of. Not the kind of radicals I showed pictures of. That's not the kind of radical. The kind of radicals that look just like Jesus. Let me, let me lay it out a little more biblically for you to see exactly what I'm talking about. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews lays out this beautiful introduction to the book. And as this writer writes, it, it, to me, it, it, it frames everything about who Jesus is. First of all, he says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Get this right here. This is a very key sentence. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. It's that simple. He goes on to say, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And then Paul in the book of Colossians takes that same idea and expounds on it a little bit more. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God expects of your life and what radical Christianity is, look at how Jesus lived. And if we were to live like Jesus lived, then you would be living as a radical. And again, not a radical that anybody's afraid of, but instead a radical that people would embrace. I mean, look at how Jesus was responded to as he walked along the streets. I mean, who was drawn to him? The people who were hurting, the people who were living in sin. They didn't feel judged per se. They knew they were in sin. No question about what was right and wrong, but they felt welcomed and they felt forgiven by him. The only people that had to fear, had to fear Jesus were the religious uh, fakes and phonies and that's it. He existed, Jesus, talking about Jesus, before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. And he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. In everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That is radical. That is radical. That is radical in our world today. Do you realize what we just said? What, you, what we just read together, what I just spoke aloud, would be offensive to a lot of people in a lot of religions. Because basically it's saying that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Not only is he God, but we're going to go further than that tonight. And I'm going to be even more radical. And all I'm going to do is read you Jesus' words. 
All we're going to do is talk about what Jesus himself said, and we're going to talk about how Jesus lived. We want to talk about what's radical. Let me just explain for a few minutes what it means to be a radical Christian. There's not someone who throws bombs or lights things on fire or none of that. Radical love. John said that you, we will be known by our love. He said our love as Christians is what defines us. That's what makes us different than everybody else in the world. And the love he was talking about is a self-sacrificial love that gives to other people before we take for ourselves. Most of the world's love and kind of love is a very conditional love. It's I will love you if you look this way forever and you act like this to me forever. And if you do this for me, now, of course, people don't often say that out loud, but that's exactly what it means. And every love, every, every act of love has a price tag. But that is not Christian love. And Christian love is radical because it gives. It gives before it receives, and it gives with no promise of receiving. It gives no matter what. It gives when nobody gives back. That is incredible. That is radical. Righteousness. What I mean by righteousness is the exact definition of that word, that living rightly. (laughs) No matter what. No matter if anybody sees it or not. No matter if you ever get caught, you're doing the right thing because it's the right thing. True altruism. Most of the world does not live like this. I I know you know that. Most people are still living in kind of that toddler uh, level of um, morality. Like they do things for a reward and then they don't do certain things because they're afraid of punishment. Right? Isn't that how toddlers behave? Isn't that how most people, adults behave too? Really? I mean, you don't cheat on your taxes only because you're afraid you're going to get caught or audited, right? Because now we got like twice as many IRS auditors as we did, you know, a few years ago, right? Right? I mean, don't you, isn't that how people are? And you speed as much as you can get away with? I mean, come on. I mean, those are silly examples, I know. But there are more serious ones because there's things that we know we can do and we get away with. But real righteousness, the radical kind that Jesus was talking about, that scripture defines as what a Christian is supposed to be, is somebody who does something because it's the right thing to do, period. That is it. End of story. No matter who knows or doesn't know, that's just it. How about humility? That is a radical concept. Because in our world today, it's not about who's humble. That's not who gets ahead. Whoever's humble gets walked on. In our world today, we elevate for, I've just been, I've just been sad about watching sports for the last few years. It just seems like everybody's a thug and angry and in your face. And it's, it's, it's as if, I mean, where, where is, where is competing like just like for the, the joy of competition? And I mean, it's, it's, it's just sad to me. I mean, when's the last time you saw somebody that was truly humble getting ahead and being rewarded? It's just not, it doesn't happen very often. And the reason why is it's a radical Christian concept. It doesn't exist in most cultures and most religions. It's just not there. The concept of grace. We talked a little bit about that last week. But the very idea that we do not get what we deserve and you cannot earn grace It's a beautiful thing, and I'm grateful for that because you could never earn it. There's nothing you could do to be good enough, and God gives us grace. It's so difficult. I don't know if you've had this experience. Uh, Nicole and I had this experience quite a bit with her father. To try, he's he's been raised Catholic, and the concept of grace he really struggles with. And and I, Nicole would send him emails, and we would look at it and. And uh, she would say, is there any way I can say this more clearly? And I said, I, I don't, I, you, I, that's exactly it. And then he'd write back and he'd say, yeah, but I still feel like I need to do something. I need to earn it. And you look at him thinking, he cannot accept this idea. You know why? Because it's radical. It's radical. How about joy? 
But you know what joy is, right? Joy is not happiness. Happiness is when circumstances make you happy. Circumstantial, it's because things are going right and everything's wonderful. Joy is transcendent. Joy is something that a Christian has in spite of it, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the horror, someone can be joyful and it's radical. And people look at you and you think, they say, why? Why is there a smile on your face right now? You say, because I know who's in charge. Because I'm a child of the king. Of course, you can't say that to people because it just it doesn't translate well and doesn't make sense. And you, you might say it a little more clever than that. But you know what I'm saying? Because you're as a Christian, you know what joy is, real joy. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Peace, peace, peace. Peace is a radical concept. The kind of peace we're talking about as a Christian is a right relationship with God that gives you a quietness in your spirit that you're not worried about a thing. That is real peace. I'm not talking about just the absence of war or anything like that. What I'm talking about is that you are rightly related with God. You, you know how that works, right? Let's, I mean, you know how it is when you're, maybe there's something between you and your wife and you walk in the house and you have that turmoil in your side and you're thinking, oh man, I hope I don't say something that lights it off again or whatever you're gonna, however, whatever. Because you have, you have this turmoil and it needs to be resolved. And then you know how it is when that's not there. And there's peace. And you feel com- comfortable. The peace that is radical that Christ wants us to walk in is that kind of an attitude that we know we're good with God and he's good with us and I can take anything. Nothing shakes me up. Nothing is a problem anymore because it's all good up there. So if it's all good there, then I'm good anywhere, no matter what happens. <laughs> Patience. Anybody caught on to where we're going here? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Okay, patience. That is radical. We live in a world that is impatient. I got honked at today, and I had to laugh because they couldn't, you know, I, I, I have this truck that is killing us on gas mileage, and um, the person couldn't see around me. And I laughed because they couldn't see that there was somebody right in front of me, but they couldn't see that. So they honked at me, and I, I just thought it was funny because, like, well, what are you going to do? You know, you can't hurt this truck. It's got 310,000 miles. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know? And so it was even more comical when they thought it would be cool to just rush around me, and then there was no firm for them to go, and then I really thought it was funny. But I thought about the fact that these people, we're, we're impatient as a society. Everything is in a hurry. Everything. Everybody. And it, don't you dare slow me down because that's rude, and I have a right to be where I want to be when I want to be there. But there's a a different thing. It's a radical idea that a Christian would be patient with everybody, with anybody. Pastor was joking today. We have staff meeting. We moved it today. Normally it's on Tuesdays, but today, and I I love our staff. These guys are funny, but I think we're all the ADHD or something because it's really hard to stay on track, you know, and, and, and I was trying to, we were trying to get something done or whatever. And and they started talking about something. They're joking and laughing. And pastor goes, patience. He turns to me and he goes, patience, Dennis. And he, just, and he said, um, he goes, just, just act like you're, they're your children. And, <laughs> and as he was saying that, I was laughing inside. I'm thinking, well, that's good, but I want to be patient with my kids too, right? <laughs> Do you read, sadly, how radical is gentleness in a person today? Especially a man. We don't think of gentleness as being a manly trait, but it's a Christian trait. And it's a radical Christian trait. And it's a powerful trait. It's a powerful thing when a man who could be something else is gentle with people. It's powerful. It's powerful. And people recognize it because it's so radical and so different. 
This, this concept of goodness, when people are just good, you know what I'm talking about. It's almost like you can't put your finger on it, but you know they are good. Faith. To believe. You know, faith gets mocked all the time in our world today, but, but everybody has faith. And I don't care if you claim to be a scientist, and I don't care how many PhDs you have, there's still a measure of faith in everything that we do. Faith in someone else's uh, statistics or studies or faith in something. We all have faith. But, but the idea of faith that God is talking about here, what he is talking about, what I'm trying to tell you today, the radical nature of Christian faith is that I trust God no matter what. It's the kind of faith that the three Hebrew children had when they were looking at a fiery furnace in Nebuchadnezzar. Or, anyway, uh, anyway, they're getting ready to throw him in the fiery furnace. And what do they say? O king, our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, that is faith. Even if, even if. I have a friend who wrote a song like that, even if. And he wrote the song because he had a baby born with a defect. And it really challenged his faith. And when he came right down to it, he had to decide, do I believe in God or not? I do. I do. And when he decided that, he said there was a peace that just flooded his heart. I believe. I believe in him. Even if. Even if she's never healed and she goes through life like this, you know what? I still believe and he's still the best thing that could ever happen to me. And he loves her like, uh, it's amazing. (laughs) Meekness. It's another one of those manly traits, right? What does that even mean? The Bible says that Jesus was meek. He was powerful. He was strong. He had, you know, he was such a complex personality. And so often the world and even we fall under the trap of making making him this this figure that is just kind of like monochromatic, you know, just one dimensional. And I know we do that in our minds because it's hard to even imagine somebody that's living, breathing three dimensional right in front of us and hearing a voice. I mean, who knows what he sounded like or whatever, but he was more than that. And the meekness that he embodied was a powerful, unique, radical thing. Self-control. I don't even really need to talk about this, right? Because that is so radical in our world today. Where is the self-control? People do what they want and they act as if I couldn't help it. I'm just driven to it. And I look at them and I think, you know what? A dog is driven to it. When I see someone punishing a dog, it frustrates me sometimes because I think he is a dog. He only does what he's trained to do and he does what he's driven to do. We're not that. We're not. We are a higher being, higher intelligence. We have volition. We have choice. We, have, we are aware of our own existence whole nother thing. And yet we live in a world where there's hardly any self-control. We want to talk about what radical Christianity is and how radical Christianity is compared to every other religion on earth. Talk, look at the treatment of women in scripture. Look at how Jesus treated women night and day different than everything in his culture and every other religion in his existence. Somebody tries to tell me that Christianity, oh, they're all the same. All these religions start wars. And like, I just look at them and think, you don't even know. Let me help you understand. Let me show you the Jesus that is radical and a Christianity that is radical, that respects. How about respect for the individual? That is something that exists in Christianity that doesn't exist in most other faiths. That is something you matter to God, you individually. When the Bible says that God knows every hair, the number of every hair on your head, I know some of you are thinking that's easier for some than others, but truth is he knows you individually. When David wrote in the Psalms that before one day, before you were even born, that God knew you in your mother's womb and had written out your life ahead of time, that is a personal God who knows you personally. 
He loves you. You matter to him. You, not just all of you, you. I struggle with this concept because I don't feel worthy of this. C.S. Lewis talks about it like this, that if you were the only one, he would have died for you. He would have died for you, you. You. Respect for your wife. The Bible says men are to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Have you any idea how radical that is in the world today? Let alone in the world where that was written. Let alone in the Middle East, for God's sakes. Oh my goodness, that is radical. Christianity is radical. If you live for Christ, you're living a radical life. The way children are to be, to be treated and, and loved and cared for and nurtured, that is radical. To actually treat fellow Christians as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's radical. That is a radical idea. Did you know that there was a rumor in the first century that was spread by the Romans that, that Christians were into incest because they called each other brother and sister and they treated each other that way? Now, when I grew up in church, that's how we referred, especially to adults. It would have been Brother Cackley, which seems awkward to say now, but that, that's how we did it. You know, I, I, I referred to, uh, to pastor's wife Eunice the other day on a Sunday as Sister Newbie, and she said, oh, come on, call me Eunice. And I, I, it's hard for me to do that because I was raised saying sister. But there's something about it. When you refer to people that way, there's a bond that's built there. It's, it's almost as if your, your feelings follow your words in some sense. And if I treat women like sisters in Christ, can you see how that's radical and I treat them differently? If I really treated men like a brother in Christ, we're brothers. It's not like they're just a stranger I see or, or acquaintance or someone I vaguely know, it's a brother. It's different. I care about them differently. It's different. Radical, you wanna talk about radical? How about an accountability that's listed in scripture for us as Christians? Galatians 6.1 says you're to restore the brother gently when they're in sin and be careful lest you fall into the same sin. Restoration, that's a powerful idea. I'm responsible for Rick. I'm responsible for Rick. That's Christianity and that's radical. That means I have to go out of my way and find out how Rick's doing. It's different. You wanna talk about radical? How about servant leadership? That's radical. The idea that you're gonna lead by serving, it almost seems antithetical. It seems like a contradiction. It seems like it's an impossibility. And yet that's the kind of leadership that Christ modeled. He modeled it by washing the disciples' feet, doing something that was the job of a lowly servant, something that was so so humiliating that Peter at first said, no, 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 I should be washing your feet. That, that is radical. That is radical because it doesn't exist in most places in our world, let alone other religions and other places. It's as if, it's as if we, we get it all backward and we're so desiring for status and, and position that we want a title or whatever it is. And the radical Christian it's not about that. It's about serving, hmm. putting others first, putting others' needs before my own. And think about how this will work. If you're really reliving radically, then it works because you take care of each other. I'm not talking about, I, I, the way, what I'm talking about is if everybody's taking care of each other, then everybody's needs get met. That is radical and that's Christianity. 
Now, I put this word up here, kenosis. It's a, it's a Greek word that means an emptying. And I wanted to re- show you our model, who is Christ. And this comes out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 6. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Remember, everything we do is going to be like Christ. And if you're like Christ, you will be radical. You will be an incredibly radical, radical Christian who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used uh, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. There's that word kenosis. He emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on the cross. Jesus modeled this servanthood for us. Let me, you, you want to talk about radical? Let's talk about Jesus himself. Jesus said some things that were dramatically radical. Things for us to follow that if you're going to be radical, this is what you need to do. First of all, he said, I am the vine. In the book of John, he, he used this term, I am, seven different times. Pastor Jeremy, when he spoke on Sunday a couple weeks ago, he talked about how that, that terminology, that phrase where he said, I am, that literally was him saying, I am God to the Jews. Now, for us, we read that and we just kind of gloss over it and it, it's I am the vine. But what he was doing when he said this, the Jews recognized immediately because that was something that they tied right back to Moses in the burning bush. If you remember that story, Moses is in the desert. He sees a bush that's on fire and yet it's not being burned up. So he goes over there and a voice from the bush says, Moses, take off your sandals because this is holy ground. He does it. I would do it. And as he's talking, he says, who are you? He's freaked out as you would be. And God says, I am, I am. And then later when he says, to, he says he's going to tell him to go to Pharaoh and tell, set my people free and all this, he says, well, who should I tell him is sending me? He says, tell him I am ascending you. The concept there is not I was or I will be, but I am. In other words, I am eternally existent. No beginning, no end. I am. So when Jesus used that phrase, every Jew knew exactly what, it, what he was saying. And in one of these instances, in fact, they tried to stone him for blasphemy because he said that. So he says here, I am divine. He goes further and he talks about, I am the bread of life. He literally said, I am the bread of life. I know that most of the people standing there were probably confused because they were thinking, you're not bread. What are you saying? What he was saying is it's more than just the words he speaks, he's speaking. It's more than the words that were going to be recorded for us to read today in the 21st century. It was more than that. He himself was the bread. Jesus is God. He is the bread. He went on. I am the light of the world. He was trying to use all these concepts that would try to fulfill, full up, fill up their concept of who he was and what it meant to be a Christian and meant what it meant to be radical. He said, I am the light of the world. And what does light do? It shows the way. It, it, it makes our lives worth living. It, it pushes away the darkness, the cloudiness. He goes further. He says, I am the gate, giving you the concept that I am the one that, that protects and I'm the one that you have to go through to gain entrance back and forth. He goes even further. He says, I am the good shepherd, the one who cares for the sheep. And he says, my sheep know my name. He goes further and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Remember this? This is Pastor Jeremy's sermon again. And this is in chapter 11 in, verse, in, in the book of John where 
where uh, Mary, Mary and Martha and Martha had said, well, I know he's going to raise sooner or later. And he said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. You don't get it. I'm not just talking about raising your brother from the dead. I am it. I embody resurrection and life. That is radical. Then he takes it all the way and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he finishes and says, no one comes to the Father except by me. People, that is radical today. You know why it's radical? Because it's exclusive. I love how pastor says this. Yes, all paths lead to God, but only Christ leads to salvation in heaven. Think about it for a minute. Jesus said this. It's not as if we as Christians are making this up or trying to be mean or trying to exclude anybody. The truth is Christ came here to tell us the way. That is radical. Because of all this and because this is true, we are driven to tell people and that is radical. It's a radical idea. Jesus went further and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus just put it out there over and over and over. He said, if you destroy this temple, I will raise it up in three days. In John 10, 10, he said, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus came to do that. That is radical. Jesus, I, I, this, this is in John chapter three, when Nicodemus came to talk to Jesus, and most all of us know John three sixteen. but two verses before that, he's talking to Nicodemus still. He had just done that whole thing about being born again, and Nicodemus was confused. How can I go back in my mother's womb? And all that weirdness. And then Jesus said this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus talking about him for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That's radical. It's radical. You know what's radical about it? There's no coercion involved in Christianity. It doesn't work like that. Christianity is not a coercive religion. We don't force people to believe. Now, I've heard some kids say, well, my mom made me come to church. That's a little different than the way some people are coerced into other faiths. More than that, this is not like a racial thing. It's not like you're American, so you're Christian. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You've probably heard this before, and I love this, this thought. God doesn't have grandchildren. Every single person who's a Christian, this is a radical idea. You have a personal relationship with Christ. Your relationship doesn't go through mom and dad, doesn't go through someone you know, a favorite aunt or an uncle or your friend or your husband or your wife. You personally make a decision. Not only that, it's a decision that, that you live out every day. It's a daily lived decision and choice that you make every day to follow Christ. People, that is radical. It's radical. You know why it's radical? Because it's something that, it's a relationship that takes continual work. And if you live like that, people notice they take notice. They see a difference in you because when problems come, you react differently than everybody else. You react in a very radical way. When things are happening, you have a perspective that is radical because it's defined by Christ himself. As you read more about him and see who he was and the way he acted and you try to emulate that and ask him to come in your life and be more in you and less of you, more of him, less of you, you will be different. The words that come out of your mouth are different. The way you talk is different. Your attitude, your responses, all of that will be radical. And again, 
Not radical in the world's way of thinking radical, but radical in an eternal changing way, a way that will change the world. You may run into people who say, mm, I don't know, I, I don't like organized religion or I don't like Christianity or I don't think I even like God. I, I think you should ask them this. Really, tell me about that God you don't like because I'm guessing I don't, wouldn't like him either. See, the problem is the world has made up this definition of who God is and they've completely got it wrong. This idea of who Jesus is and they've completely got it wrong. This idea of what a Christian is and they've completely got it wrong. It's our job, literally, to redefine and defend who Christ is to the, in the entire world. And I know that sounds like a big job, but here's the beauty of it. I really don't have to go and talk to Rick's friends. Rick does. It's better that way. They know Rick. They don't know me. It's better that way because, because they're watching his life and they see who he is. And every day he's telling them about Christ, even without opening his mouth. He didn't even have to open his mouth yet. And they're seeing who Jesus is based on his life. See how that works? And I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I don't know if that's me. You know what? It is you because if you're living for Christ, it's radical and you can't help it. It's like when, when Jesus was, was talking in the book of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, it's like, it's like putting a light under a bushel. Who does that? But if you, a bushel like a, like a bowl or something, but if you put that light out on the hill, everybody's going to see it. Everybody will see it. No question. Some people might say, oh, Christianity, you're just talking about that pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. You know what? I always say, you're right. I am. I am talking about that. And that is real, and I'm looking forward to that. But here's the thing that people don't get. It starts now. It starts right now. I'm, I, it's not just then. It is then, and I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that, but it's not just that. It starts now. Your life can change now and forever. There's a, Pascal was a, uh, I, think, I think it was French, philosopher, Christian philosopher, long time ago, <laughs> centuries ago. And he developed this kind of thought idea that they've called Pascal's wager. I, I, I like it for this. This is what he says. Okay, let's, let's just say as Christians, let's say we're wrong. What have we lost? <laughs> Nothing really. I'd rather live like this than anybody else's life in the world. Really? I mean, look at what happens. The world is full of destruction and all of these things that people do. Yes, it looks like fun or it is fun for a season, but it ends in death and destruction and relationships are ruined. And <sighs> some of you work in fields where you see it all the time. Kills me. You see the destruction of lives. Our life is good. Being a Christian's great. What have you lost? On the other hand, and, and that's if it wasn't true, what if it is? What if it is and you've rejected him? What if it is and they've rejected him? What have they lost? Everything. Everything. Here's the thing Christianity is radical, it is radical. But again, it's not radical in a scary, weird thing. It's radical in a way that people sit up and take notice. And if you're living for Christ, the kind of Christianity that Christ defined by his very life and every word that he spoke out of his mouth, then it will be radical. Everything that happens in your life will be different probably than your next door neighbor or the person that works right next to you because everything you do will be totally radically different. And it'll be a regular occurrence for people to come up to you and say, what is different about you? Something is different about you. And I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. And it might be this. I mean, let's be honest. It might be this. They could say something like, man, I, 
I don't know. They could be feeling conviction and because of that, not like the way you're living because it's radical and God is working on their heart. Being a Christian is radical. Here's what I'm going to do with us tonight. I want you all to shut your eyes for just a second. As your eyes are shut, here's what I'd like to do is I'd like you just to think for just a few minutes about some of the things we said as we were talking about what it means to be radical. We ran through a lot of characteristics that that are things that I I feel like as I'm talking about them, the Holy Spirit is so good at at convicting and convincing us of sin and finding parts of our life that that we need to clear up. And being a Christian, one of the radical things about being a Christian is as, as you turn your life over to Christ and say, Christ, I want you to be formed in me. I want you to change me and who I am. And I want to be more like you and less like me. What happens is as you get one thing cleared up, it's like another thing kind of becomes obvious that you need to work on that wasn't quite as obvious just a minute ago. And the thing is, as we get closer to him, the closer we get, the more the light of who he is illuminates the things in our life that need to be different. And he changes those things in us. Maybe as I was saying some of those things, some of them were kind of dropping into your heart and mind. You're saying, God, I know I need to work on some of these things. I want to be different. We're going to pray about that. Another thing we're going to pray about is who it is that needs to see that radical Christian in you. So first thing this, I just want you for just a minute, just in the quietness of this place with your eyes closed, just ask him honestly, just tell him. God, I want to be more like you. I want to be less like me. I want to be radical. God, I want to be, I want to be the, the, the Christian that you created me to be. The Christian that you define throughout scripture over and over and over. God, will you just show me what are some things that I need to be working on right now in me? Is it the patience? Is it the joy? Is it the righteousness? The humility? God, what is it that I'm, I need to be working on? God, I pray for my faith that you would give me. Help me with faith where my faith is lacking. Help my unbelief. God, I want to be more like you. Let's just take a moment and just in quiet, just talk to him. Let him speak back to you.